0: Hey there, my name is Sim, and welcome to Unstoppable Rise, a site that helps motivated individuals take advantage of the opportunities in modern life using a combination of old school wisdom and new breed tactics. So welcome everyone, so glad to have you back here with me again for the second iteration of these audio blogs that I am doing And in the last audio blog, I touched on the topic of doing things a little bit outside the norm, and that topic was in relation to done versus perfect, and why you should keep trying to do things that aren't necessarily in your comfort zone, and focus on optimization rather than perfection. And at the end of that, like I said, I touched on the topic of today's audio recording, which will be talking about something sort of intangible, but it's something that we all feel and we all know is there, but some of us don't have the words for it. But this is something I've thought about over the years, and This is my best shot to explain it so you can understand what I'm talking about and where I'm coming from. And where I want to take you in this audio recording, where I want you to come off with some understanding is how is these patterns operating in your life and where is your quote unquote ceiling. And I'll get into what that means a little bit later on. But um, first, I talked about in the last recording, how there were some options at the end that some people may not have thought about. They may not have even considered them. And, you know, some of them go a little bit outside of the norm, not necessarily anything crazy. But it's just a little bit different than what some people are used to. But then these are things that people are doing. And you know there's a lot of various reasons why people didn't consider these options but i'll go also into that later on in this so first i want to bring up the topic or the concept of the matrix and you're probably thinking you know what, what the hell the matrix were like why uh i think the matrix is a very interesting movie and Most people have seen or heard of The Matrix, you know. It's very in vogue in popular culture. It's just one of those things that seems to have always been around. And um, it's probably older than some of you guys who are listening to this. It's been around since the 90s, late 90s, 1999. And it came out in 1999, which was an interesting place for society as a whole where we were going and what the perception of everything that was going on at the time was. And it was, a, it was a completely different time for those of you who are old enough to remember it. I was. I was a little kid back then. But it was still an interesting time. And I think that movie definitely lead, led up to the 21st century and what we think about in terms of progression and growth and just life in general, in the 21st century. So, for those of you who haven't watched it, I recommend you go and watch it, but for some reason, if you haven't heard about The Matrix or you don't know what it is, it's basically, the short version is basically this guy named Neo. He is living an average, ordinary life. He's going to work, going back to his home, doing nothing in his life, just living a plain and boring and dull life. And then he meets this guy named Morpheus who gives him a choice that he can stay in his old life or he can take the quote-unquote red pill and see what reality really is. And he eventually takes the red pill and see that his reality is not what he thought it would be, what he thought it was, and it was something much deeper and something much different. So the red pill is basically just a metaphor for waking up and seeing the full spectrum of opportunities in reality and it's just been used as a metaphor in popular culture when someone says I'm taking the red pill, or I'm dishing out red pills, they're pretty much saying that I'm going to give you a dose of truth right now and that's where that came from. So um, I think this, the matrix was based off of uh, I think it was based off of eastern philosophy eastern religions in terms of saying that reality what we perceive as reality is not really reality but taking it to a more staying in shallow more shallow waters not going in that deep i think it's just a ordinary metaphor for ordinary life and just how you know it's so easy to get caught up in the grind and what we think is reality when in reality there's you know much more out there than we could ever thought of and we sort of keep ourselves trapped and we may want more but we sort of feel as if that we can't get more there there isn't more and when you encounter something and you get a dose of a red pill reality you get a choice to you know accept it or reject it and I'll go into reasons why that is So I believe that most people are trapped in some form of the matrix. I even believe myself to be trapped in some form of the matrix. I think we're all in our own private matrixes (laughs) um, because we all have our own perception of reality. But in general, I think that a lot of people are living lives of quiet desperation, as Henry David Thoreau so eloquently put it in Walden. Even back then, people were living lives of quiet desperation. And I think that's just a part of the human condition to keep doing something that's the same, even though you know it's not necessarily beneficial to you, but it's comfortable. And all of us human beings, we like comfort. We want to be comfortable. And taking the red pill definitely is not comfortable. So... Uh, you know, most people they wake up, they go to work or they go to school, you know, do whatever they have to do there, come back home, sit home, watch TV, play video games, probably get on the phone a little bit, mess around on their phone, and then they go back to sleep and they do this five days a week and they look forward to the weekend because it's a break, and then the weekend, you know, they go out and get hammered. Or they go out and hook up with some cutie or something, you know, just something to break up the monotony of the week. And they pretty much say, you know, this is what's going to be for the rest of my life for the next 30, 40, 50 years. And, you know, for a lot of people, it definitely is. But I do think for a lot of people, they could be doing a lot more than they are right now. They don't have to be living this sort of humdrum existence. And I understand that there's only so much you can do within a certain context. You don't want to go ridiculously nuts, like saying, oh, I'm going to sell my house and, you know, move, move in a Tibetan monastery. But I do think that there's ability to create variations within that life that a lot of people are missing out on. So, um, you know, they wonder why Their lives have not changed. They wonder why, you know, they're feeling lethargic. You know, they just feel like this is what life is and this is what life has to be. And, you know, they do the same thing over and over again until they reach retirement and they say, oh boy, I can retire now and I don't have to work. But then when they retire, they're like, oh shit, you know, I actually am bored. I don't have anything to do because I didn't build up this ecosystem of positive emotions and activities. And I was just a pretty much a walking shell during my working life. And then, you know, you live 10, 15 more years and then, you know, you die. That's, that's it. And, you know, it's possible never once in this cycle to ever question, you know, what the hell am I doing? Why am I living like this? and it's so easy to get caught up in this cycle because it's encouraged by society it's encouraged by your friends your peers they'll say that you know what is your worth what is what are you worth and you say you can respond by saying your net worth or you can respond by saying your job title and if your net worth is high or if your job title is you know Uh, If you're the VP of something, they're going to be impressed, and you're a winner in their eyes. you won the game of life. And using those metrics, I think that, you know, I think having success in any field is good, and it's great, but you need to pursue it for the right reasons, and pursuing it because society tells you to, or because you're trying to look good for the people down the street or down the block. That's what just leads to a lot of unnecessary misery for a lot of people. So, um, you know, why, why is this? Why do people get caught up in, you know, this, this cycle and why, even though they get information, new information, they don't really want to change how they're living. Well, I truly believe that there is this framework that all human beings operate off of. And It is called it's basically just called a paradigm. And a paradigm is your is basically your worldview, but it's it's so much more than that. It's it's your habits, it's your inclinations, it's how you see the world, it's how you process information, it's how you relate to yourself, it's how you relate to other people. It pretty much has everything like your self-image, your self-concept, what you think of yourself, what you think of others, what you think of yourself in relation to others. It has all of that tied up in this. And the paradigm is set in different areas of life. So you can have a good paradigm for someone who says, I'm going to go after work or after school and do extracurriculars or join a adult softball team or adult baseball team and do some things like that, and you have a good self-image in that regard. But when it comes to work, you feel yourself... You're not really performing how you should. You're not really dealing with things as you should. And your self-image in that area is low. So all of this is wrapped up in what I call a meta paradigm. And this is just your overall life paradigm. And this is how you, again, see the world. And everyone has a metaphorical ceiling that they can reach. Everyone has a ceiling of potential that they have in their mind, And this paradigm is the ceiling. You can only rise higher than – you can not rise any higher than what you've established in your mind for the paradigm. So if your paradigm says that, you know, I make, I don't know, 45 grand a year, 50 grand a year – your mind is going to shut out opportunities to make more than that because you've convinced yourself that you're only worth that much. Even though someone can come to you with a job opportunity offering 55 grand or 60 grand, maybe even 75 grand. But then you say, you know, that's not me. And you unconsciously self-sabotage. And that's a lot of the reason for a lot of self-sabotage in a lot of people's lives. And The reason how I came about paradigms is, was sort of by accident. I read this book called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, and he talked about the self-image in that book, amazing book, Uh, probably the foundation stone, really, for a lot of self-development and self-help nowadays, and I don't think you can have an accurate understanding of a lot of self-help without reading that book. And to be honest, if you only read one self-help book, that's the only book you really need to read. But beyond that, uh, he went so in-depth about why the self-image is important and also the breakdown of paradigms. And when I came across this, it was so incredibly obvious to me how I had screwed myself over in various areas and how many of my peers had screwed themselves over. Like I was seeing all this self-sabotage. And I was saying, you know, why why can't this guy get his shit together in this area, you know, this life area that's very simple for a lot of people? And I came to the conclusion that his paradigm was just really messed up in that area, and it needed some a lot of correcting. So going back to this whole philosophy of the quote-unquote matrix, a lot of people don't think it's possible for them to live a life where you know they're happy they're fulfilled they think life has to be suffering and grinding all the time they think that they have to be unhappy all the time they're not actually they're not even happy unless like they're the victim or they're uh being being victimized you know and that leads into um a discussion of archetypes which is beyond the topic of this audio recording but archetypes do feed into the paradigm and if you feel that you're you are a victim and your archetype is the victim you're going to look for any opportunities to do that so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy but that's for another time so going back to opportunities and talking about paradigms or opportunities um you know a lot of people don't know what's possible for them in terms of just living a better life and a lot of that has to come to Come down comes down to the realm of work. A lot of people are stuck in jobs they hate, and they feel that there's no way out. Especially a lot of younger people, a lot of people in my age group, uh, mid twenties, late twenties, and you know they feel that's the only way out. But you know that's slowly changing. A lot of people are slowly waking up, and I'll say why because for me, I uh, I went to college. My my first year in college was in 2009. So this was before, you know, Snapchat uh really before a lot of social media. Twitter, I think Twitter was made in 2009. Facebook was still a relative infant. YouTube was uh, you know, putting along doing its thing. So there wasn't really a lot of permeable information at that time. Uh even smartphones hadn't been really invented. Uh, or they've been, they were invented, but they weren't really mass popularity. At 2009, I still had a flip phone. And, um, you know, that comes with a flip phone is that, you know, you don't have a lot of access to internet and data and information, all this stuff. So 2009, our, our, our world, our economy was still still the old economy, still the old industrial system where, you know, you get a job, you go to school and you work your way up the ladder and you live a happy life happily ever after and you just get the American dream or whatever dream with two kids, a picket fence, two cars, uh, you know, a mid-level salary and you just live a comfortable life. And I would say... In 2010, or actually 2011, 2011, I'd say 2011, mid-2011, late 2011, there was a shift in the economy, there was a shift in the overall way things are done. Because at that time, the smartphone revolution had started to get up to speed, people have Smartphones on them all the time. They have just an incessant need for content and data and all these companies had to push it out there. So they were looking for ways to do that. So a lot of people um, just went on different sites with their phone. A lot of people didn't even use uh, laptops or desktops anymore. They just looked up everything on their phone and it just made things change like overnight. So... The world, obviously, right now is has more information in it being created like every week than existed in the in the first like ten thousand years of civilization. It's crazy. Like more more information is being pumped out. The economy's information is being doubled. Like I think like every. Every two years, now it's probably like every year, so more information is coming out, more things are being shown about how other people live, and you're just getting more of a glimpse that your life is not what everyone's life is. And obviously, there's a lot of people who are travel influencers on something like Instagram or social media platforms, and they're showing them traveling to these different locations, and you're like, holy shit. I didn't even know a place like this existed because obviously, somebody who was in the 60s and 70s, they didn't even know that a place like Jordan or uh, Mauritania or Bali or whatever existed. They just read about it, but then they didn't have like videos, they didn't have like, pictures, and now this is like HD video, HD picture, and you're seeing these places and you're like, wow these people are going to these places, can I do that? You start to ask yourself, can I do that? So going back to me, I have always been a sort of take t- take life by the horns type of guy. I really have uh, always been um, sort of, uh, what's the word for it? sort of just ever ready to take on challenges and I didn't wait for permission, I didn't wait for anybody's go to do certain things. I just did went ahead and did it and if it failed then it would be on me. But you know, a lot of the times if you wait for permission in certain things, you're gonna be waiting for a long time. So I've always been that type of guy. And, you know, this type of I guess mindset leads itself easily to something like entrepreneurial endeavors or just you know, experimental endeavors, not even necessarily entrepreneurship. And I always had those types of thoughts in my head. You know, I could do something on the side or I could do something like this. And then back in 2009, 2010, uh, you know, I never thought that, you know, you can make, you could actually make money online. I never knew that was a possibility. And, I just thought that, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you start up a business and then it has a brick-and-mortar location and you have brick-and-mortar customers. So I didn't really think in terms of e-commerce, which I was heavily invested in a couple of years ago, e-commerce, drop shipping, things of that nature, and I didn't really think that that sort of thing was possible. I didn't know really too, too much about it. And then I started reading these things and I got into marketing and then I started to see that, holy crap, people are actually making like fortunes online. And my question was, how? You know, you ask the question, how? Because when you say, I can't do that, that shuts you down. It prevents possibilities from emerging. But when you say how or why, a question expands things. It's it's the principle of a statement closing the mind and a question opening it. So you always want to be asking questions. And a lot of people, they get to a point in life where they feel like they know it all and they stop asking questions. And that's why a lot of kids learn stuff very easily because they're always asking questions because they don't know things about the life. They don't know things about the world. And when you get older, you stop asking questions and you start stop being curious and you sort of become stagnant. And that's what happened to a lot of people because a lot of people are still stuck in the old industrial mentality of I have to go to work and I have to work 40 years and then I have to retire and then die. But then there's some other people who are saying that you know work, I definitely accept the I definitely accept the inevitability of it. I'm gonna to have to work, but how can I cut this work down so I can start doing what I am really passionate about, what I'm really passionate about doing and that's what people in the fire movement, the financial independence retire early movement are doing right now, and they're challenging the conventional wisdom of. You're going to have to work for 40 years and then get a retirement. And their whole philosophy is like, how can we shorten this? Because they're asking a question. They're not making a statement saying, I'm going to have to retire at 65. They say, how can, I retire? how can I shorten that by five years, 10 years, maybe even 20 years? So that's one example of that. And that's one example of the new paradigm of the new economy changing things. Um, and then obviously... Uh, you know, a lot of people now are trying their hand in entrepreneurship, and you're just able to test things a lot easier. Your testing cycle, your experimentation cycle is a lot shorter and a lot quicker. You're able to run a lot of quicker tests, and you're able to run a lot of quicker experiments to see if an idea is viable. And there's very little cost to failure at the very early stages for most entrepreneurial ventures, especially now, because there's little overhead cost. Like likewise, I'm talking to you through this. Um, back in 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you had to have your own radio station. Now you just upload something on SoundCloud or you upload it on iTunes or wherever, and now you're able to just see if it's cool or if it's not. If it's not cool, you just drop it, and there's no cost to you other than like a time time loss. And that's also leading back to what I mentioned in the last audio recording of you have to allow yourself to fail because when you fail, you get closer to success. And that's why you need to get rejected over and over and over again intelligently so you can achieve success. So wrapping up this paradigm and the quote unquote matrix, if you find yourself with the feeling that something is not right, you need to ask yourself why and dig deeper. A lot of people have this creeping sense that I went to school for something that I don't really enjoy just to make my parents happy or just to fit in with the overarching worldview of a doctor is successful, a lawyer is successful, a person in finance is successful, but I really want to do this. Well, you could also say, how can I make money while pursuing my passion on the side and seeing how that can ramp up and seeing if that can eventually be my full-time thing? Because you are definitely going to have to make sacrifices. That's definitely a part of life. I don't think there's anything that comes for free in life, but you don't have to make as many sacrifices as people think you have to in order to get to where you want to be and to get what you want. So I think that's important to realize. The second thing is to always be reading. I think if you're not reading books, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Books were written by people who have massive years of experience in in a certain field or fields and they spent years of their life writing it with the smartest insights that they've ever thought of and put them down in a book so that you can read it and so that you can grow smarter and so that you can avoid the mistakes they did. And you may not be able to internalize the mistakes and internalize the failures as much as they did, but you can still see them coming and you can still... Shorten the process of getting to where you want to be without all this unnecessary strain. Because if you didn't read the book, you wouldn't have known to look out for that warning sign. And that's why you should read. And that's how it exposes you to new ideas. And likewise, they say that those who don't travel, it's like reading it's like looking at a book with only one page or something like that that's saying that goes like that and I think that's true it's like you only read one book you only read one page you don't get a good glimpse of the world whether travels like that or not is a whole different debate but I do think you have to expand your mind in general and just any way possible and leading to the third point It's just getting around people who are doing the thing that you want to do because they're providing an example of excellence. They're providing an example of modeling your behavior after them so you can achieve what they want, so you can achieve what you want and what they have. You may not be able to be the next Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or whoever the hell, Bill Gates, but you can... You know, get around business people who have been in the game for a while and learn from them if you want to start a business and learn from them, you know, what was your failing points? What was your success points? What was your biggest successes and what were your biggest failures? And um, ask them questions like that. Just get around them and they'll be able to tell you. And there's people like this all over, even if they're not necessarily, you know, on the Forbes list, but... They're just all over and you can seek them out. So that's always a great thing. And then fourth, the thing about changing your paradigm is to always take action. When you don't take action and you just passively sit on the sidelines and read or take in information, you sort of become this dull, this this really lifeless person. You just, your, your head is just filled with all this theory, but it's not filled with any application. So you can go and read a whole bunch of books. You can look at the latest articles. You can watch the videos. But until you apply it, it doesn't mean anything. It's like somebody who is studying for the SAT. They get all the books on the SAT. They're reading, reading, reading and then they go to take the SAT and they bomb it. So you always need to be applying and you always need to be taking action on the insights you get from other people and books. The biggest leaps in my life is when I took action on a tip or a small set of tips and it just dramatically changed the direction and my perception of things in my life. And the last, last point I would say is you want to try and be as social as you can and develop as many social connections as you can. We are a social species. The reason why human beings got to the point they are at is because they were able to gang up and achieve things in groups, and it's cliche, but no man is an island. No one succeeds alone. If you ever see a massive success of anyone, you'll see that they are in a group. The people who founded PayPal, they call them the PayPal mafia. Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, some other guys, but, you know, all those guys – They all formed a group, and they were able to make PayPal a huge success. Um, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, they formed together to make Apple. Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer, Microsoft, or sorry, Bill Gates and Paul Allen and Steve Ballmer eventually, they made Microsoft. So it's a group effort. You know, no one succeeds alone, and if you're antisocial, if you're a quote-unquote introvert and you don't like to be around people, something has has got to change. You have to make sure you have a wide and deep connection with other people, or else what you want to accomplish in life is not going to succeed, because life is all about give and take, and the more you give, really, the more you get. So it's all a balancing act. It's all reciprocal. It's all bouncing off of one another and collaborating to create something new and something diverse and something different. And also making making it go against the paradigm of the quote-unquote rugged individualist that is so present in American culture and Western culture. So that's about it for breaking paradigms. And to close off, When you start to do this, you'll start to see your personality and your worldview start to shift little by little, and this is not something that's done overnight. It's something that's done brick by brick. You take one brick out and you place it in, take another brick out and place it in, and then you just keep building and building and building until you have something completely different, and that's how progress is made. Paradigms are shifted little by little, not all at once, because if you try and do all at once, you'll just drive yourself insane. And if you do do it all at once, then it's probably not going to be sustained and it will lead to some sort of breakdown. So that is my cautionary tale for anyone who wants to try and change themselves and their worldview all at once. Sometimes you can have a radical shift in a very short amount of time, but it's not common. So I would just focus on What I mentioned in last post, last blog, last audio recording, to always focus on small improvements, the small optimizations that lead to the big finish at the end. So I hope you enjoyed this. I thank you for listening, and I appreciate your time. I appreciate you tuning in, and I want to wish you a blessed day and a blessed week. And I hope you're able to use this information to better your life and, of course, better lives of people around you so that you can make a ripple effect that just creates a new cascade of change. That's all. Catch you next time. Peace.